Oh, oh welcome, Chris. <laughs> welcome to another Super Coach Insider podcast. My name is Swizz. And I'm Chris. Thank you for joining us on this <laughs> Wednesday as we come into round 13, second round of the bye weeks. As always, continue to support and check out all our social media platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, TikTok, and Twitter, Supercoach Insider 100 for both Ben, Chris, and me, or Swizz26 for myself. Chris, where can the community find you? Uh, just CFX underscore one is my uh, direct Twitter access, guys. I think um, uh, I've yeah, been uh, plugging that a little bit. It, it, Twitter seems to be the easiest place to find us individually. Um, Facebook's kind of died. <laughs> or Boomer Book, I'm not sure if you really want to mm-hmm. go there, but um, seems to be uh, definitely dead. Uh, so yeah, Twitter's the, probably the easiest place to get us. Also, I want to, uh, a big shout out to Binger. Um, he contacted me yesterday through the Dr. Supercoach Slack um, and asked for a shout out on the pod. So thank you very much to Binger. Uh, but this week, mate, I mean, how did you go on the weekend? Because I mean, I think our teams are pretty similar. I mean, I might be yeah, a slightly better rank than you, but uh, who knows? You know. I know I beat you this week, so that's <laughs> it. And that's, only, and, that's, and that's only because of a couple of little minor mistakes on my end for that. Like, oh, I've absolutely got you covered this year. And that is oh. like, you know, don't be <laughs> Well, you know, you, you take wits and I, buddy, risk it with lead. And, you know, there's, uh, there's like that Marshall for, like the captains, like there's, there's about 150 points just for captains. And my rookie roulette the other week that cost me 120 points. Like, I should be top 100. I mean, fair You're probably, like, should be top, like, 400, and, you know, I've got... If, still got yeah, I mean, hindsight's <laughs> great in, in, you know, in, in saying that, but, um, you know, if I didn't trade out yeah, wins when I did, if I yeah, did wins to Decamp, to Grundy, to Gorn, I mean, I'd have yeah. four more trades as well, so... I mean, yeah, you know. oh, these are legitimate. This is literally, like, okay, I'm 50-50 on a captain's decision. Let's go this way, and it cost me 100 points. Like, right, yeah. that's not That's not even trades. It's <laughs> just literally who I've got the C on. And right. it's the, uh, the difference between you and me. So I'm 944, mate. Nice. Uh, so I think what what I scored on the weekend, like race the top hundred, then, mate. What did I actually? What did, what the hell did I score on the weekend? I went with 1920. I think you got like nine. Yeah, 1940. Yeah, was, something yeah. like that. Yeah, 940. It's a little bit more. Yeah. Um, look, the way the format's going to work, this guys, and, and do a third <coughs> drive um, for those playing at home. Ben's unfortunately can't make it tonight. Um, family duties. He's he's got ridiculous amounts of um. Uh, school work that he's doing so uh, lots of senior schooling and, and it's coming to a bit of a, a halt he should be right next week to jump back on he is going to try and get his team pod out as well individually um, so that will come later in the week of course uh, but yeah he, he does apologize that he can't be here and he wishes he could um, in the meantime um, so that the, this what we're going to be doing today is go through basically trade out targets trade in targets um, we won't really touch too much on rookies because, quite frankly, there are none. But there are some ways that you can generate cash, and we will sort of highlight that as we go through. Um, the big talking point, though, for this week, though, Swiss, is sort of we're at the point in the buys where everyone can field 18. It's a bit of a safe week. But now people are preparing for next week and the week after, which is, generally speaking, the harder weeks. Um, the good news is we've got back Sicily. We should also... Um, well, hopefully Clary comes back this week. There's now, I, I'm surprised that the club, so Melbourne Football Club, put out a tweet about Clary's injury, which is a infected blister <laughs> as the reason why he didn't rock up to training. Dude, I don't think I've ever known someone as an inf- for an infected blister to be such big news that it warranted a club tweet. 
So maybe they were getting ahead of it in terms of, okay, well, the people are going to think that it's because of the hamstring or whatever it might be. But, dude, at club tweet for an infected blister, really? Like, that's strange. Like, so does that, do you think that actually impacts him coming back and playing this week? I think that possibly. I, I said all along that he's not coming back until after the bye. I still stand by that. Uh, until, until I see otherwise. Yeah, because of I his hamstring him or because through, of... <laughs> no, no. Well, I'm not going to get into any rumours and stuff like that. But I said from the start, I did not expect to see him until after the bye. And yeah, until he runs through that banner on Monday, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to. I haven't been proven otherwise yet. So fair enough. We will see. Um, now, for those uh, that are in the chat, thank you very much for jumping in. We will actually have a Q and A later in the pod. So if you do want to drop any questions you want answered, um, we'll, we'll enter that at the end. Uh, where it's a little bit less invasive. So the rest of the guys that are just purely looking to this can, can do that. Uh, Swizz, you've, you, you've completely gone. He's con- disconnected somehow. What's going on there? Oh, and he's back. Oh. There we go. What happened to you there? Maybe. It, well, I thought it was actually you that disappeared. Nah, it's definitely you. Could be, could be these Wi-Fi issues I've had. Yeah, my Wi-Fi went down. I got home today. And my Wi-Fi was down again. I'm like, what is this? I'm in the worst zone. How, yeah, this is a... Don't you think like Ringwood or something? Like, <laughs> I'd like to know from the Supercoach community, does anybody, because you know, obviously got hands-free and that, I'll drive along and then just completely go out of connection. I'm like, hang on, I am 20Ks out of Melbourne. How can somebody in this day and age not hear me on my phone? Yeah. How can you just drop out Wi-Fi and, and mobile reception? Yeah, fair it's, enough. It's unreal. Um, Julie just made an, a good point on the um, on the chat there that last year he played with a broken thumb. I think Clary can play through an infected blister. <laughs> oh no, that's right, exactly. Ah, uh, yeah. So we'll we'll have to see how that that uh, that comes through. But um, in terms of uh, trade out trade out targets, there's quite a few of them. So if we're looking at preparing for round 14 and round 15, and you can't bring people in to cover those buys, well then the next scenario is can you trade guys out of those buys? into guys that have already played to be able to help you manage the oncoming traffic. And I think that a lot of us, um, I know we have particularly been pretty um, vocal about this in, in, our, in our own teams in that, yeah, we've been planning to flip guys during the buyers because they were either underperforming or, or just not coming through or we'll just carry them until then and then we can move them on to something else. The problem's also arisen that, of course, we don't really have the trades to be able to do that now. So I love the start of the season where we're like, oh, we've got 36 trades, who cares? Yeah, go, go through all your boosts in five weeks. Yeah, sure, let's do it. Like, that was a great idea at the time, and now we're all regretting yeah, what we've done. So um, having said that, I think there are ways you can do both. You can sort of you know, um, you know, trade guys out and maximize your team value and get the right guys in. It just depends on which direction you want to go. Um, for those guys that you know went with guys like Humphrey and Atkins, etc., and you know that are really going to help them through the buys, that's that they've really come good. Um, even Weddle's just absolutely killed it. Like we had some really good rookies of late that have just absolutely crushed it. Um, so if you've got all of those guys, you should be sitting pretty. But a lot of people don't. Um, even a guy like Briggs, important to come on, uh, come on through last week. Yes, Briggs owners. Um, yeah, he'll cover us for you know majority of buys, but. Some people have English and Marshall, and therefore you can only really get him for the one week anyway. Yeah. Doesn't really help you. So there's yeah, a variety he, of things to consider. He was a cash, bit of a cash cow for me. One week of points and a bit of a uh, cash cow situation, which is going to be awesome. 
Yeah. Like, well, I said it the other day. He, like he in three weeks, he's got the potential of making sort of one sixty, one seventy k. So yep. fine, no problems. So um, if you were to develop a list of guys that you think that you know are fairly highly owned or, or at least important picks, that you would say they're on the chopping block either this week or next. Do you have guys in mind? I, I have five in my own team. So so do you have anyone specifically in mind that um, that you would say are all, all you know, essentially sideways trades or uh, flip players at the moment that are not well, rookies? Yeah, let's, let's not talk about rookies in this. That, yeah, that's the funny because it's like my the rookies are the ones I don't want to trade. <laughs> it's outside maybe mm. Chincotta next week. But... The, all my rookies are performing great, as you said. So it's not yep. even... I don't want to move Weddle yet. I don't want to move, you know, Eddie Fords and your Humphreys and stuff like that. It's... Okay, so who are the um, kind of semi-premium guys that I'm looking at? Well, I've got Will Day, Sheasel, and Zeeble. All frauds. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. So, and they've all got... Is that what you've got? got? Good... So they're all in your team? Yeah. Okay, so those yeah, are the other all... three. I've really got plenty more where that came from, mate. Yeah, and, they, and they've all got uh, reasons why you could potentially keep them, but more likely move them. And naturally, the two North boys with the round 15 buy, which seems to be the worst buy for everybody, yep. are the two that are most talked about on the chopping block this week. Yeah, I'm going to add three more to that list. Now, I know that... You, okay, so I, I'm going to say this guy is probably not very highly owned, but um, he's been a little bit frustrating, but he does have upside. There was a time two weeks ago where I thought I was better than Supercoach. And I, I, I've, been, I've been doing with this with my trades for a little bit now and that I've been trying to get options that I think have upside that I can um, see. So when Clary went down, I went to Wines, um, who I thought... And I, at the time, I had two options. I could have brought in either Bailey Dale or Wines. Bailey Dale seems to now be the absolute pick that would won that, that trade. Um, and if I had my time back again, that's that's where I'd go. He'd gone, I think, 113, 116, and now Richards is out. So my worry at the time was that Trelaw coming back, I thought him coming back would impact, you know, Caleb Daniel um, and go back there into the back line. And then, you know, I'm stuck with Bailey Dale averaging shit again. That hasn't happened, and Richards has gone down with another injury. So there's even more reason to, for the ball to go through Bailey Dale now than there was before. Um, and I think he's already gained another sixty or seventy thousand in the last two weeks. Um, so I got that wrong. Is the, is probably the first thing. But the last two weeks I've had ninety five, ninety five from Ollie Wines. Now that's not you know it's not terrible from a premium. It's you know, it's enough where I'm like, okay, um, I, I'm happy to have him at M eight. But other people's M eight's going to be probably Sam Walsh or, or Callum Mills, who have a lot higher ceiling than what Wines does. So those spike scores, it doesn't seem that I'm getting. The only thing that's really saving me in that regard is um, I do think that Travis Boak not being there, and he was playing majority wing, so he wasn't really playing too much forward. He was actually playing a lot of wing time. Ollie Wines has gone back down to, say, 52 and 54% CBAs, and he's playing a lot more wing time than I thought that he would. I thought with Boak out, he would be a, you know, required more inside. Absolutely not the case. Um, so did you end up picking up wines as well? Do you have yep. wines? And so is, is that your, are you replicating those thoughts as well? Not as much because, well, a little bit now that Zeeble's out, it wasn't, and the re- reason I didn't get him because I was like, okay, I've got Cicely, Dacos, Dawson, 
Sinclair, Zeeble, and the only one I'm missing is Stuart, which was always the plan to bring him in after his bye. So where does he fit in there without moving Dawson um, into the midfield, which I don't didn't really want to do. So I was like, well, I'm going to bypass him and go to the midfielder because I need a midfielder in my team. Yeah. Um, but now that kind of the way it's worked out, we're going, okay, Zeeble's on a bit of a downhill, especially with Aaron Hall coming in, and I got to watch that game very closely on the weekend as I was obviously there with the center bounce boys and those people who came along and thank you to those who came and met us there. That was awesome. Um, and yeah, it just, that slight change of role and then Hall obviously demand, demanding the footy like he normally does now has me reconsidering my defense. Um, but in saying that it, there's still, I still think wines is fairly solid. Like he, he looks like he's getting into games and, like, I'm still confident that he can go on a patch there of, like, 110 one, um, you know. So I'm not disappointed with the pick. But, yeah, obviously, Bailey Dale, just with everything's going on, um, kind of would have been handy. But then, again, as I said, it's playing a defender in the midfield. is the only way it could have made it work. Yeah, fair enough. Um, the way I see it now is that um, Wine's worst-case scenario could be your way to Clary. So if he doesn't come good over the next few weeks, maybe it's a... Uh, a trade in round 15 potentially or maybe even for a little bit further down if you're, if you're lacking trades right now maybe you can wait a few more weeks um, and then go winds up um, I'm not really sure I mean it depends really on what happens with Clary I mean he's now going to have if he doesn't play this week and he's <coughs> not back until round 15 and he's got a 138 break even like do you really want to bring him in um, fresh off that fresh off the hammy and this injury as well maybe maybe not who knows what he's actually going to be able to pump out? We've never seen a Clary injury. So this is like, this is new ground. Mm. Like this is completely, yeah, exactly. we don't know how well he's going to respond to this. So it, it will be interesting. Um, I, I'm, I'm better. I, I actually like the fact that I don't have him because at least I can monitor and, and react as opposed to having him and then be stuck with him. But I mm. mean, worst case, he's still worth 660 K, right? If he starts to spot up, you can pretty much go to anyone. Um, so Wines is one that's on that list as well for me. And then I've also got Gorn. So you, you have English, right? I've got English Marshall. Right. Thanks. So, yeah, Marshall Briggs. So, I mean, for me, right, Gorn, I'm considering, and if anyone watched my um, my pod that came out last night, I'm actually considering completely trading out of Gorn and just keeping Briggs at R2 because if Gorn's only going to pump me out 100 average, then there's a potential that Briggs could do the same for you know a lot less than I could just use that Gorn money to be able to facilitate changes in my team. Um, so Gorn's also one that I think if he's only going to average 100, you can trade him out. The problem is who to. So if you already have Marshall, Wits is probably the next available option if you've got money. Then you've got Darcy if you want to wait till he drops or you've, you know, pay up to get English. Really, those are the only sort of trades there outside of, you know, going down to Briggs if you didn't already have him. So... Yeah, I, I'm not really entirely sure, but I I do see Gorn as someone that you could trade out if you had him. Um, I'm considering it this week. It's probably actually highly likely that I do. Um, so yeah, there's there's quite a few. So that what's that? So Wines, Gorn, Sheasel, uh, Zebel, uh, Day, and then of course Cornelio. So there, I think there's probably six, right? Do you have Cornelio as well? Yeah, I've got Cornelio. I so you have five frauds. What are you talking about? You have as many frauds as I do. <laughs> yeah, I was actually counting Cornelio fraud, but yeah, that's an interesting take. Have you? I just looked at the fact that he's got North Melbourne this week and he's going to pump out 170 and be 
back sure to what he's is. doing. Did uh, every every <laughs> what every, he does, mate. Every good matchup this year, I've looked at Cogs and got oh, really really worried about what Cogs will do, and then he pumps out a ninety, and they go, oh, why why was I worried for? <laughs> yeah, but, but he's got the he goes on these like every six weeks, just pumps out a big score, and like yeah. okay, I can't trade the flog, and he'll go. <laughs> And then he goes like on a run of seventies and eighties. It's like, oh. oh my god, yeah, but I know what he can do. Yeah, uh, right. Watch it happen. Either this week or round fourteen, he's going to pump out like one forty. I suppose yeah. with his fixtures, I mean, here's the thing: like, you, you can't. He's he's got a role. So one thing yeah. that we will say about uh, both Will Day and Canelio is that you know what their role is, and that means that, that on any given day they could pump out a great score because they've got a good role. They're both playing basically inside mid. They're the uh, number one, number two you know, midfielders in their respective clubs uh, for CBA attendances. Um, it's just they're out of form and their use has been really bad, right? So I can understand wanting to hold on to Day, wanting to hold on to Cogs. Um, for me, I, I traded out Day last week. I, I saw the writing on the wall and I went, no, nah, I'm not having a part of this. So I understand why people would do that. The other concern really, and I'll, I'll preface what the, the options that we're going to go into a little bit later, is that out, there's, a, there's a few round 12 options. There's very few round 13 options, if you don't already have them, that are forward or defenders. So those options that, that are presented, they're kind of, they're not top tier. Like all of the top tier options are kind of round 14, round 15, especially defenders. Like I think, you know, we, everyone's pretty much has them, but you know you've got Sicily who's round fourteen. You've got uh, well, Dawson obviously round fourteen. Um, Stewart's round thirteen. The big four is them and Dacos who's obviously round fourteen as well. Um, and then you know your sort of dribs and drabs are your are your D six and yeah D five D six. We were hoping that would be say a Zebel or a Sizzle, and then you just get a Sinclair or whatever and you're done. Now it's like okay, well if I don't if I want to get out of Jay Z or if I want to get out of Zebel or, or whatever, who am I actually trading in? Because all these other guys aren't that great either. So you're kind of hoping for the best of a bad situation. It's not like you can just trade in a midfield because you need a defender in this situation. Like I'm at the point now where I've got 21 premium. So how do I? I need to trade in either a, a, a defender or a forward. So there's no option for me. It's got. A, I've already got eight midfielders. Um. So there are decent midfielders on the on the that are coming from that round twelve uh, buy that you could trade in, but the the defenders aren't great, and there's really no forwards like pretty much at all um, that's really worth it. So that's just something that to be aware of if you are trading out of these guys is like all the guys you want they have the buys you can't trade into, so that's an issue. Um, all right, so let's lead off with so so we've we've touched on Cogs. He is he safe just because. He shares the same buy as the other two that most people have, and you're probably trading those two beforehand because of the fixtures of Cogs. So, would you even consider trading Cogs? Like, if you didn't have Jay Z and or, or Sheasel or or both, would you consider trading Cogs? I I haven't actually considered trading him at all because the only one I'd want to trade him to is Butters. He shares the same buy to him, so it's not helping my situation at all. I'd yep. I've heard a couple of people talk about maybe Jeremy Cameron thinking, oh, he could get on a run. They've got a few Geelong games coming down and that. But, um, yeah, the, it, there's not really any forwards that appeal to me outside of that round 15 buy. So um, potentially maybe, say, Darcy Cameron, but that's what I'm using to do Briggs. Yep. If if he continues to perform, 
Um, and this yeah, week so doesn't seem to be the week that you really need Darcy Cameron. I mean, no, he's, he's coming right. up it's against Thorne Grundy. Yeah, you, you, I don't want. You, I don't bring in guys before they buy. Yeah. Well, sometimes. <laughs> it's like I can understand if you're bringing in a guy before his buy because you don't want, like, you might be priced out or you don't want to be on the losing end of or something like that with a super low break even. But generally speaking, I mean, Darcy Cameron's break even is 81. Even if he goes 110, 120, he's only going to go up. That's probably 15, 20k max. His price of what 454 at the moment, or four, like, you know, that I think that puts him at about 470, which is what I expected to pay for him because it was what he was priced at last week. Um, so, yeah, I, I anticipated him, you know, um, being able to be basically available at the same price as what he was last week, and that's why I didn't pick him up. So uh, if that's not the situation, then I can understand that. Um, so, okay, so we've written off Cogs. Day, we've touched a little bit on Day. Would you say that Day is one that you would hold or you are looking at, at getting rid of him? Because I've, I've already done the trade. What, what's your thoughts? Day, Day was gone out of my side all last week. It was only because Mitchell ended up getting ill that I kept Day. Yeah. Um, just so I was the extra player that was playing. But Day, <clears throat> what is Supercoach open this week? Like 9 p.m.? I think he was traded out at 9.02. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Nice. laughs> yeah. He's, um, yeah, something would have to matter. Again, it would have to be something has changed with another player going down injured or something that would keep Day in. And that's all the, the only reason I kept him last week. Yeah, he's got a great role. And for AFL fantasy, as we've spoken about, he's fantastic because he's getting a lot of the pill. It's just what he does with the pills, the problem. Yeah. So unfortunately, um, he is no longer a keeper in my side. And especially that I can swap him to um, some round 12 midfielders. It just makes sense to move him on. Yeah. I mean... I, JB from Dr. Supercoach, um, I was chatting to him in Slack, I think it was last week sometime, and he made a very important... I thought this was this pretty much sums up Day in a nutshell. I think we're just one year early on him. I think next year could be the year. He just... He has... I think he's great. He bursts from stoppage. He gets a lot of appeal. Um, he looks up. He's one of those guys that's an inside-outside <coughs> midfielder. And I think eventually he will be an absolute A-grade super coach player as well. But I think right now he sort of just blasts away, tries kicks that aren't on when they're not on. And I'm not sure if that's game style or just him just not necessarily um, reading the moment and interpreting it and doing the right thing with the footy. I'm not sure what combination of things that is, but it just seems like it's a, a year early on day. And so for that reason, I'm out. Because I, I think if you just keep on him for the rest of the season... There, yeah, he could get a couple of spike scores, but I mean, realistically, he's not. He's not playing. I think the big spike score he had early in the year was North, wasn't it? One thirty-nine versus North. He's not playing North every week, um, and yeah, you know, against North you have a lot more. Uh, you have a lot more. Um, sorry, Will Day is who it is, mate. Rustic. Um, yeah, you a lot more time and space, and that's what he needs. Because yeah. what I saw last weekend was when he was actually behind the ball and was using the ball. He made better decisions. Now, is that because he just had more time with the ball, didn't have to worry about people coming from behind? I'm not sure. And for that reason, that's, that's what I mean about the whole... It's just a year early. He just needs a little bit more experience in the midfield until he's an actual premium option. But I do think he gets there. So I'd be looking at starting him next year. No, no trouble at all. But for this year, I'm completely out of the pick. Yeah, I think that's actually true for the both of the Hawks boys, Jordan Newcomb yep. and Ward. 
Like yep. Newcomb's only in his third year. Ward's practically, oh, not Ward, um, Day's practically, it's like Day's in his third year because he's missed so much footy. Um, and this is really the first time he's had continuity to able to play through the midfield. Yes, absolutely. So I think you're 100% right there where now that Day and Newcomb are getting to spend time with each other um, and also spending that time with their new ruck in Meek or Reeves and that setup because yeah. that's all like new to them too. We, we know it takes... Like we all, everyone says about players in their 50 game sort of development, but even the fact that these guys will have 20 games playing together under their belt, you know, there's definitely could be Day and Newcomb having that sort of 10 point spike next year. It wouldn't surprise me if both of them are kind of one five ish guys, if not more, next season because yeah, just the, the natural progression and and used to playing together as teammates because it's hard. Like we we see that plenty of times, like to work out how to block with each other and. Um, you know, we're running patterns and yeah, I think a lot of people just expect, um, you know, new players come in and or even new players come into like a, maybe a midfield system and it's just all going to work. It actually takes time to you know, adapt that. So Fair enough. So I suppose to, to, um, to before we get to move on to the, the two North boys, so we're looking at for Gorn, you pretty much, you can trade, you can keep, you know, it's sort of 50-50 depending on what your setup is. Um, if for Cogs it's a hold for Day it's definitely trade and then for the two North boys alright so who do you want to touch on first do you want to touch on Jay-Z or do you want to touch on Sheasel I'm gonna, I'll touch on Jay-Z because I got to see a lot of him because I was uh, sitting right behind the goals on the weekend so naturally Zeebel's role plays back pocket so for half a game I got to see and I was up the end where he kicked the ball out of the full three times in a row oh. um, absolutely butchered that ball late and that's the thing like it's, it's so easy there for him to not put those three it's not just the three kicks out which is the minus like nine but and I think he probably got a little bit of waiting just because of the time there um, but then it's the three kicks and would have hit a target yeah so all of a sudden um, and if those kicks go on and big score assists or anything like that. Like, it's very easily a 20-point turnaround yep. on that game, and we're not even considering having this discussion. Um, but there was definitely, like, I saw Sheasel take a kick out, and um, Darcy, I think, or he was down there, um, Darcy Tucker, and then you've got, um, and naturally, Aaron Hall. And Aaron Hall just all the time, I'll go grab the ball, I'll call for the ball. Like, it was like, I know a lot of North Melbourne supporters were calling up, just so frustrated, because they can see the future of these kids and the kids were amazing absolutely yep. Wardlaw awesome you know, oh dude Wardlaw to touches the ball himself. and I get shivers no. because his decision making is elite yeah. at free's age and so if, good if you're an owner if you're an owner of Wardlaw and you're a little frustrated with the score don't be like he gave away a 50 which I thought was really harsh by the umpire because he like, was just getting into his position and the umpire was brutally on it gave away two free kicks because he thought he's Chris Judd now he needs time to develop <laughs> and work out. No, I can't yeah. take on everyone. So it could have very easily you get don't give those two free kicks away and he gets the handball out. There, that's a reversal of ten points plus the fifty. He's, he's twenty points better than what he was. Yep. Um. There. So he actually had a cracking game. But yeah, back around Jay Z. So I I hate and I know a lot of the North supporters hating having Aaron Hall back there. Um. It just I don't think it does any good good for the long term. I think obviously they've gone. Oh, let's get that little bit more experience in that back line. But just the way he calls for the ball, as we've always known, in bad positions, turns it over, um, and it just doesn't help. Like Zebel kind of nearly looks lost 
now with Hall back in that lineup. Because before when they played it, they didn't have Darcy Tucker and Logue. Now Logue's more of a key position, but Darcy Tucker has changed that setup. Um, so yeah, he kind of yeah. There, there was a few times I was watching like um, just the positioning when you say have a ball in from 50 or a ball up and stuff like that. And Zebo a couple of times was like sort of turning around trying to find where's my opponent or do I, should I guard here? And yeah, because already Hall's kind of already doing that. Um, and, and I think unless Hall got injured or Tucker got injured um, in the next pretty well this week, um, if you wanted to hold one more week, then yeah, I think coming into his round 15 by he needs to go. Yeah, and look, there's a couple of things to be said about that. So you could hold and you go, okay, well, what's what's the chances that Aaron Hall plays out the season? Probably not much. I didn't love that. I mean, this was the week he had his season low in kickouts. Previous to this, even with Aaron Hall, he was having 60 70% kickouts every single week. He's having majority kickouts. So that wasn't a thing. I did notice there was some times where there were kickouts taken when Zebel wasn't on the field. So that's probably inflated that a little bit slightly as well. Um, and of course, like you said, with the points from the, the out and the falls, etc. So there are legitimate reasons that we can make as to why his score was a 59. But let's say his score was a 90. Is that even good enough for what we're looking for? And that's my question. Is like, okay, so if the best case scenario for him now is low 90s, is he still worth flipping anyway? Because right now he's 517k. Next week, he is not worth flipping. Because if he drops again to 470 or 460k, then all of a sudden you're like, well... There goes 100, well, 80 to 100K in value in two weeks. Now there's no point flipping him in his buy. You don't have an option. So you kind of do have to make that call this week. And I think that it's a 50-50 flip. Like I, I personally am doing it because my view is I'm ranked 600. I want to be ranked 100. How do I do that? Well, I've got to be aggressive with my trades. I know I don't have a lot of them, but I've got to try and make up ground on the guys that are going to hold him. So if I can get a guy who's at very least going to be averaging the same, which is, let's call it averaging 90 or, or similar, 85, 90-ish, um, then that's, with, with a low, low, low end of that and an upside of higher, then I consider that a, a win and I'm going to take that points gain for the next 10 weeks or whatever it may be. That's, that's how I view it. Because of his price, it's important to note that you can get a lot further with that. I mean, as simple as going down to Sheasel, who's only, I think, 464K or something similar like that, that 50K is huge. That means, you know, getting Jack Steele instead of getting Neil. That is a massive difference in upgrade in terms of what you can achieve in your team. So for me, it's like, okay, well, Jay-Z, it could be flipped. He might not be. But for my team, it works better. So yeah. I think he's he could be a hold based on other things. I do also want to say... I don't know how he looked live, but on the TV, he looked slower than I've seen him before. He looked like he couldn't turn. There were guys running away from him with oh. such ease. They just took him on. Oh, oh, and you know why I think it also it is? Clarkson's come in and got them trying to play this defensive setup that he's looking long-term for them to play. So it was a slower ball movement with your leaders like Zebel, you know, Tucker Lode coming in um, and moving the play for that. Ratten's also come in, and their whole game style has changed yes, over the last two or three weeks. It's a yep. lot more freedom, a lot more, and their attacking play look good. That's why both teams scored over 100 points or whatever it ended up being, 105.99 or something like that. Yep. Because North actually looked like they could score very freely against Essendon. So 
all of a sudden Zebel, where he had this, oh, well, I, I've got time and space, and Clarko's saying, don't rush and just pick out your targets and we'll move the ball up there slowly. Now it's he's not even getting into position because it's just rapid fire outside of that um, defense because Rafton's pretty well gone. Hey, boys, go out and just show me what you can do. So I think why Rafton's in charge, Zebel's not a good option as well because of that. Yeah. I agree with that. And what's worse is that, like, do you see Clarko coming back anytime soon? I've been asked this a few times. Even a, a couple other podcasts have asked me on about it and asked this question. I, I, all reports think, I think he returns at some point. They're paying him too much money, unless there was some big negotiation with that. But I don't think North are going to do that. And it may not even come back as head coach. Could, like, what was, what do they call uh, Malthouse's role under Buckley? Uh, like head of football, whatever it was. But that didn't work because obviously Malthouse didn't want to move aside. But potentially could Clarkson not coach but be like the director of football or be some other role? So I think he still comes back to North Melbourne in a role. It's just I've got the question about is it coaching? But then it depends on who would the coach be. And is it do they stick with Brett Ratton in this situation? Because obviously he's a very good development coach. Um and always seems to get teams like this, develops them, and then they go, oh, we need a coach to take them forward. Uh, it probably depends on how much time Clarko needs out of the game as well, just for his own mental health and whatever is going on with the obviously racial allegations and that and how that, well, it continues to, like that story is going to continue to new things and um, are going to be reported on each and every week. So, yeah, this might not go away for another six, 12 months. And I've... <laughs> Heard um, a couple of interviews on SEN where people involved in um, this whole process are saying, well, because I've got part-time staff and not access to everyone and they're doing it thoroughly, yeah, this is not going to be an overnight thing. This could drag out for another six to 12 months. So, yeah, um, yeah it'll be interesting come next season. I think we'll be having the same discussion. Who's coaching North Melbourne? Well, I, I personally think that uh, Clarko will be the coach next year. I'm just not sure he comes back this year. Um, so read into that. Well, that's my personal opinion. Um, whether or not, I mean, it might be the case of you know, let's say the last four weeks of the season or whatever, you know, that he wants to get some continuity into the off-season program and get back into the into the flow of things. But it's, I don't think it's this week. I don't think it's in two weeks. I don't think it's in four weeks. Like, I, I, it's not anytime soon. So I don't think it's something that you can say. Oh, Clarko's coming back, therefore I'm going to hold Zebel for that reason. So that is a complete no for me. Um, I could be wrong. And, like, and like, pe- I don't know, but that's what my feeling and, is. And people sit there and say, oh, sometimes the new coaches don't come in and change a lot. Like McWalter, uh, McWalter yeah, hasn't changed a lot come, taking over from Dimmer and that. But Ratton's such an experienced coach that, he, and he and he was obviously not there full time. So he actually probably wasn't seeing the structures that Clarko was putting in as much. So Ratton goes back to the experience of him as a what, two, three time, three club coach now. Um, and, and is obviously going, okay, this is how we're going to play boys. Well, let's, let's try this uh, and yeah. keep the game plan simple. So yeah, that's where for somebody like Zebo, as we've said, it just doesn't suit him. You got to remember Ratton's an auditioning right now for his future he is, head as coaching well. job. Yeah. So hundred percent. Don't don't take that like that's that's not lightly. Like Ratton doesn't want to be a citizen coach for the rest of his career. No, he wants to be back not. into head coaching. So and I think he probably deserves to be. I think he's a good coach. Um, he's a good coach. 
I so, think he, he's unfairly treated, I think, because even like his time, especially at the Blues, like he, he's by far been their best coach in this. Whatever they had, like eight or seven sackings in the, I think somebody said in the same period of sort of like Hawthorne and Richmond and Geelong in there, this sort of run of theirs. And, and obviously, yeah, their solutions always to move on the coach. And Ratton, yeah, he, he, I thought, yeah, he got moved on way quicker than what he needed to be at the time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure, as he, and he's a great development coach. So for the young players that they have there, I think he's the perfect person to be in charge. Yeah, I mean, we probably shouldn't get too sidetracked, but I mean, I personally yeah. don't think Boss is a good coach. I never thought he was at Brisbane. Um, I'm not sure what he added to Port Adelaide when he was over there as an assistant, and he hasn't proven to be any good at Carlton. So, uh, like, people are saying, oh, you know, he can coach, he can coach, and coach. Okay, show me where, like, show me how. Like, I don't know. From a viewer outside looking in, doesn't look like he can coach at all because he can't coach for Ws. I don't know really what that looks like if you say he's a good coach, but he hasn't had any success. Doesn't make yeah. any sense to me at all, but yeah. He, I, I don't mind getting good. sidetracked. I'm sure people don't mind footy inside of here. <laughs> right. uh, it's better, better, than, better than FC because you're not going to have Sam McClure come on and say, let's trade Dusty and let's, yeah. you know, some of the stupidest things stupid that comes out of that guy's mouth. Uh, so, um, so with Jay-Z, yeah. you can flip him. You can hold yeah. him. There's, there's reasons for both. More, I would go... Sort of seventy-five, eighty percent. I know you're more fifty-fifty. I think it's yeah. unless you're really starting to get short of trades. I think he is a sell. All right. Well, what, what I want to do at the end of our, our chats here of trade outs, let's rank them in order of okay, who's the most mm. important to trade to least important? How does that sound? Yeah. Um, so the the next one is obviously the other the, the young North Melbourne player in Sheasel, yes. yep. which is a completely different now. We've seen his role alter a bit where, yeah, he was playing half-back, obviously Hall comes in, but Rashman with this more attacking game plan. We've seen him start forward. We've seen him playing the guts. The thing I really liked, that game on the line, and they go Phillips, Wardlaw, Sheasel, get in that midfield, and then they win the clearance. Yeah. And I thought that was brilliant for the future. If you're, if you're a North Melbourne supporter, you're like, here, here's my membership next year and the year after. Great. That, that's what I want to see. Yeah. So they've got the confidence to put him in there. That's the only issue with him is that he had a really good role, which is the best role you can possibly have in Supercoach. But now they're like, okay, part of your development, we're going to give you time in the guts. We're going to get you forward of that ball. And North Melbourne are going to have games where as much as they're very competitive at the moment, there's going to be a down game that's going to come up soon. It's just you know, well, natural look, of young players. My view is that it's, it's absolutely amazing for Sheasel to be playing these different roles, but it's 100%. terrible for our Supercoach teams. 100%. And... He's an absolute jet, so let's let's not let's not you know, pussy around it. He's an absolute jet. He will be in our teams in the future. But I think in this current role, it's absolutely a red, huge red flags every single week. Now the problem is also I like when he's in midfield, but uh, I think he probably plays more forward as the year goes on because we've got LDU coming back. Obviously, this week we had part of the reason why is yeah Simpkin and Greenwood go down during the game, so. If they don't go down, does he get midfield time at the end of the game? Like maybe, maybe not. Like we don't know. That that would be speculation. Um, I think the forward and then pinch hitting back and then pinching in the midfield and then blah blah on a week to week basis does not work. And he, if you look at his last, I think it's four or five games. Um, he's the only spike score he had was 112, and in that game he scored two goals too. Yeah. So you take and he only goals, on the weekend. Right, because he nearly he nearly kicked the goal to put them in front. Like he, exactly. missed, I think he dribbled it and missed it, and so it would have really 
what does that mean? We're back to a, a, a forward that relies on goals to score well. It's basically Rochelle, right? Mm. And now, now ask yourself, do you want Rochelle as a premium forward? No, is what I would say. Because one week Rochelle is going to go 115 and the next week he's going to go 60. And that is what we're going to experience under this, this version of Sheasel. So for me, he's also an apt, I think, to, to be honest, he's the most, if I'm prefacing this list, he's probably the one that I would say I would be considering the most vulnerable to me flipping due to the role change. Because I don't think there is a world where they go back to the well with him at halfback this year. Even if Aaron Hall does go down, I don't think that that's the solution. You've got Taron Thomas now playing. He came in and actually performed quite well. They did flag him as a halfback flanker earlier in the season. Is that something that they look towards transitioning towards? I'm not sure, but I just personally don't think... I think for Sheasel's development now, it's not off halfback. It's in the midfield It's or it's in, for, it's in the forward line. And going back to the the defence is not going to help him this season. I don't think that's how Ratton wants to play him. I even don't think that's how um, Clarko will play him if he does come back. But again, if we're looking at how Ratton is going to play him from now until the end of the season, you know, we're not looking at... Um, and, and Clarko not coming back. The Clarko doesn't factor into that decision-making process. So, um, yeah, I, I don't like it. Again, relying on goals to be able to get a spike score that he was getting every single week. Like he was going 110 without fail every week without having to kick goals. And now he has to kick goals to do that. Mm. And in a North Melbourne team that's, you know, what, second or third bottom of the ladder. Yeah, none of that screams, pick me, as far as I'm concerned. And I also like to like, ask yourself this question. If you had 450k, would you be trading him in? No chance, right? <laughs> Simple as that. Like, yeah. absolutely not. Like, I wouldn't be doing that. I don't want that roller coaster in my team. So, yeah. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Any final thoughts on Sheasel? And again, it's the round 15 buy coming up as well. Like, yep. he, I've no, got Zeeble more out than him only because Zeeble's going to drop a lot more cash over yep. this week and next week. And that was Zeeble's kind of, I mean, Sheasel, it's, it's going to be a slow drain now, unless he has a real shocker. Um, that. So, that's why I'd have Zeeble ahead because you're going to lose a lot of cash this week yep. with, with Zeebs. Unless Zeebel, you know, has, like, the Giants just sit there and bomb it to him all game. But yep. I don't think that's going to happen. Because, again, like, the Giants, as, as great as the Richmond Giants game was, and I was lucky, I was sitting at the pub at yeah, the King Hotel watching that game on to Essendon North. Both games were brilliant games of footy. And then we find out everyone's, like, talking about, oh, Melbourne Carlton, because, you know, the two, you know, team on the verge of top eight versus top eight and stuff like that. One of the worst games of footy you'll ever see. Yeah. Where the two Sunday games were up there with two of the best games we've seen for the season. Yeah, it was good. It was actually, but, which is but, not usually the case for Sunday yeah, games. Okay. <laughs> but in the end of the day, it's still a Giants team who's 14th. And North Melbourne Giants could be a cracking game this week as well. Yeah. But it is two bottom teams and they've got a chance of actually trying to beat each other. So it might be a real, they throw the floodgates open again like they did both teams last week. Let's see how much we can kick. And there might not be that much defensive play. So maybe it's a good week for Sheezal again. Maybe he gets on the end of a couple and kicks two or three that just boosts his score. And that's why I'm also worried about Zeebel because I don't think there's going to be a lot of defensive type play in this match. Well, the other concern is obviously their break-evens. I think uh, Jay-Z is 172 and I think Sheezal's just mm. over 100 as well. So I mean, if, he do, yeah. if they don't turn, they're dropping cash. But at least with Sheezal, if he just gets a soft turn, he's not, he's not dropping cash, but I suppose only 460k anyway. Whereas... Yeah. 
yeah, even if Zeebel goes 110, 115, he's still dropping 30, 40K, like regardless, yeah. um, which is a bit yeah. shitty. And, and then you get the, naturally, the, if you're trading to the round 12 player, um, you're getting the points that he's going to miss out on that buy as well. Yeah. So it's not Zeebel, it's Zeebel, what, what, what what's the lefties at the moment, like 11 games? So you've got 11 games from him or 10 yeah. games, whatever it is, versus 11 games of a guy that's going to actually average out-average him. Yeah. So, you know, of course you're going to take the extra 100 points. All right. Now, before we move on to the ranking that I just went through, the only other consideration would be is if you could actually afford to get any of these guys to your bench, um, that would probably be the preferred method. So even a day, I'm happy if you get him to, say, you know, M, uh, M9, D seven or whatever seven that yep. would be ideal where you could loop him um or either sheasel obviously sheasel has that benefit of forward defend actually they yeah, both jay-z and sheasel do have that so if you can have a swing and then be able to loop them with guys on field then that's also a, a situation but i don't think there's many teams out there that are really competitive that have the trades to be able to get there at the moment but if you can then that's something that i would consider instead of flipping them out um if again it works for your buy structure so um, all right, so go go with Swizz, go on your um. So I suppose oh, we'll add wines in there, I guess as well. But I mean that's probably just for me and you. Um, so we've got uh Jay Z, uh Sheasel, Day, um Cogs, Gorn, Wines, six guys. Can you okay, uh, so Zebel one for me. Okay. No, all the reasons I've said Sheasel two. I'm actually going to go Gorn three just because a lot of people brought in Briggs last week. Yep. And you could potentially play, yep, easy, because you can use that cash actually on field in another position. Uh, Four, Day. Five, um, uh, Cornelio, six, Wines. No, actually, the other way around. Go Wines and Cornelio. Okay. So I'm Sheasel, one, uh, Day, two, Jay-Z, three, Gorn, four, uh, Canelio five and wines wines last. Yeah, wines um, pretty well equal there. Yeah, least, look, uh, I think I both of them. I think it's a much of a muchness. I think both of them. You just got to hold around fifteen and go. Look, let's let's see what we can do with that. I mean, maybe you go Canelio to Clary. You know, maybe there's a way that you know, that helps you out down the track. So um, those two are guys with those fixtures. I think um, uh, definitely with Cogs fixtures over the next two weeks, definitely worth it. I'm not sure how if, if Port. Do you know who who Port play in the next couple of weeks? They play. Uh, they actually have some. They do have some tough games on. But there's a part of me now that thinks that might even suit Wines. Yep. Better they need because him at the bigger body inside that midfield. Yeah, bigger body inside. Where that's where I, like we were probably thinking more. Okay, they've got the softer games in Richmond and Hawthorne, but they didn't need him to go out there and do it because they just cruised. To, well, the Richmond game was a little bit different. But he yep. had that one bad quarter. But they cruised the victory so easily against the Hawks. Like that could have easily been 150, 160 points. Yeah. Like, um, so now that you know they've got the dogs, cats, bombers coming up next three, I expect Wines game. This is what they've been trying to pump up his game time coming in to these bigger matches, um, which you know, obviously are going to have a lot more meaning that they need to win to keep in touch with Collingwood. Really. Yep. So I I wouldn't be surprised if. Yeah, because we've already seen Wines with that 110 was against Melbourne. That's been his most dominant game. So I think that's probably going to help him. Um, interesting one about Day. I was just actually looking through that Hawthorne fixture. 
after the Lions this week, and then that naturally got the buy, and that's where he's tempting. And if you don't have too many of the round 14 guys, like, okay, we've got the defenders, I think it's like Dawson and, and Dacos. But if you don't have that many in the midfield that you could potentially hold him, as Chris was saying before, as that potential D7, like M9, maybe if you've got like a Wines or a cheaper person you can swap around. But after that, they play the Suns, who, no, not an easy bet, they're playing some good footy. But still, it's not like they're going to be absolutely smoked by the Suns. Mm-hmm. Then they play the Blues, Giants, North Melbourne, Richmond, St Kilda, all in a row, the Hawks. So that's actually a really good matchup for, for Day. So there is potential there as somebody that, and, and maybe he's the one I rethink, because naturally I was, I was thinking, do I just trade out Zeebel, Sheasel and Day, or do I keep, which one, or which one do I potentially keep? So he's, just because that's a, a really good fixture for Hawthorne, we've already talked about Will Day's better scores have um, come up against those weaker oppositions. So if he's up against a midfield from North Melbourne or a Giants or a Richmond, um, yeah, potentially that's another 30-touch game. And if he can have good ball use, those games very easily could go 100 points. Yep, fair enough. Makes sense. Um, all right, so looking at some trading targets, mate. Now, this is where it starts to get a little bit what I would call grim. <laughs> so, I don't mind some of them this week, but you go on. Well, I think so there's no forward targets. Like outside of, say, Jeremy Cameron, obviously, who's got the buy this week. Um, I don't I, I don't see any forward targets that I would want to bring in. I mean, the only one that I really want is Butters, and he's obviously got the round 15 buy. So, I mean, if that suits suits you, and here's the other thing with Butters, you are literally paying top dollar for him. Like, this is his peak mm. price. You know, his yep. 182 is out of his cycle after this week, so he's going down in, in price um, likely from next week. Um, so if you bring in Butters this week, you're absolutely like paying top dollar for him. Um, same with, say, Caleb Daniel, just off, to, off a 169. He's absolutely killing it. But again, he's got that back buy. Um, he's 582K. Like, are you really going to pay 600K for Caleb Daniel? I just I just don't see that. Um, Jack McRae's, you know, obviously he's 600K as well. Another back, uh, round 15 guy. So, you know, in the forward line, like, I just don't see anyone that's really popping up and going, hey, like, I'm, I've, I've got a good buy um, you should be looking at me to trade in. Like, there's unless you didn't get Goulden, uh, who's also 600k. Yeah, he's also top price. But I don't. My thing is thinking. I don't think the forwards has been the biggest issue for everyone. Most people have got the five, or the prob- if they've got true, but they're trading she- out. And this is what I mean. Like most people are now trading out. Cheese or Zebel. Yeah, uh, they do have the flexibility to trade in a defender. But let's say they already have five or six defenders they are forced into bringing in a forward, then that becomes an um, issue. Unless you can like then move somebody else like around into your midfield or yeah. to free up that midfield. Because that, that's how I'm doing it. And that is like, okay, the rookie that I want that playing on the field is getting moved back to the defence so I can bring in the midfielder this week. Because yep. the yep. midfielders are the ones that you should be targeting this week. The only, the only real defender there, because as you said, there's no forwards, and the defender is Jake Lloyd. Who's, yeah, I, I'm pretty much in agreement with you. Like, um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, skipping over the the, the lack of, of forwards, that I, I do believe that the play this week is if you need a forward or defender, you try and get a, a defender instead um, because mm. at least they're serviceable. And when I say serviceable, I think that the top four speak for themselves. You know, Dacos, Dawson, uh, Stewart, and who's the other one? Sisley. If you don't have any of those four, you have to get them. Like, I think that that's a no-brainer. 
But outside of that, the five and six now are wide open because, again, people have been holding Sheasel and Zebel thinking that one of them is going to be there. And then you've got basically you know, Sinclair or, or similar or, or a lot of people or some people have Luke Ryan or whatever it may be. So then it sort of opens up because you know, Sinclair and Luke Ryan obviously have just had their buy. So you can trade into those guys. And then, of course, you've even got Jake Lloyd, who I think currently is the seventh highest averaging um, defender just behind uh, Caleb Daniel. So you've got potentially three guys, if you don't have them, that are averaging quite well that you could look at. Um, just before, I won't touch on him too much, but Dan Houston's been killing it since the early part of the season. And he's yeah. also an option, but again, round 15 by. Sam Doherty is one that you want to obviously look at, but again, round 15 by. Like there's just... Well, Mason Redmond, maybe. He's on a five-game average of 105. So even though he scored at 72, he's he's had some put-ups and big numbers as well. But I just don't see really anyone else putting their hand up outside of those three guys in, the, in terms of trade-in targets because of the round 15 buy being so impactful. Um, do you, do you, I assume you have Sinclair, don't you? I do, so, yeah. And he's not that high again, so... Do you regret bringing him in? <laughs> no, like, not at all, because okay. he literally won like my head-to-head the week before when he won that 160-something, so... Yeah, you, yeah hot he, and cold, he's eh? in. Yeah, he's hot and cold, but, yeah, I, I prefer to have him because we know on any given week he can he can pump out 140. Yeah, yeah right. You just got to take the good and bad. Like, he, I still think he averages over the year still that like one five and that one ten because he's going to have massive games and then he's going to have average games. Yeah. Just depends on the role and how much of the ball that he can kind of see go back there. But where Lloyd, Lloyd's actually been really consistent. He's had that one down year and he's just back to his seagulling best. Yeah. I mean, look, I'll be honest. The, the reason, the main reason why I want Lloyd is, is purely because uh, they're, they're both bursting the Saints this week and he's guaranteed 120. Like, I, I don't think there's a way that we get off that. Like, is there? Like, um, yeah, he's yeah, going to have like a Saints, pretty People big have had a week. field day against the Saints defenders. There's some been, been some good scores against the West Coast defenders. That's coming up, uh, forward line that's coming up soon for him. You know, they've still got like Richmond in there. John, they've got some games where Jake Lloyd can just sit back and do what he pleases. The, the um, issue, the, which is good, but there is a slight issue there, of course, and that is that Dane Rampey's been cleared to play this week. So bringing in Lloyd and as, yeah, when Rampey comes back, and Rampey doesn't directly impact Lloyd, but what he does do is he moves, he could move the uh, the magnets around for, say, Nick Blakey, who's basically been playing um, as a pure centre-half back. He hasn't been playing that sort of loose role. Now, don't get me wrong, I think Nick Blakey has been playing absolutely amazing but he is not a center half back even regardless of his height he does not have the frame to be able to say wrestle with the, with the really big forwards in the game um so he's just kind of been thrown to the wolves there now dane rampy is also not really a true position size but he's always played undersized um in that role so if that happens and then lizard goes to a, a, a slightly different role and impacts the kick-ins and impacts you know that ball coming out of defense because we do know that they do love the ball in his hands does that have a knock-on effect to Jake Lloyd? We don't really know. I guess is probably the answer. And so um, it does come with a little bit of risk. But I I look at, say, if I've already got Sinclair for a start, I look at that and then I go, okay, well, the other one's Luke Ryan. He's got a three-round average of 86. Since yeah, Essentially, since um, Frio started winning, 
He's just, which is he was playing that chip to chip game, you know, with the other defenders earlier in the season. They start winning because they start playing direct football. They start moving the ball quickly. That they're not using him like they were using him earlier in the season. I don't like that either. So okay, if I'm not going to go Luke Ryan, I have to get a D six somewhere, like some somewhere somewhere along the line. So it's either A, you grab Jake Lloyd now, or B, you wait to round sixteen. I don't want to wait to round sixteen to pick mm. up a defender. So yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, it's, yeah, and he's, he's relatively cheaply priced, like 520 K, like it's not overpriced, but he's, no, it's he's not. And, adequately and priced. And that's where I said about before, say for day, for example, especially if he was happened to be sitting, say in your midfield, you could work that if you have him where the temptation is, maybe he's the one I hold, have him sitting there at D six and have a look how he goes through this period of easier games and just try to target the midfielders. I know you were saying that about the forward, but do you, like now it's a different story because you've traded out day. But if you still had day there, there's potential that you could have just kept him there at that deep six position and see what happens, and then look at upgrading him after the round fifteen buy. Yeah. Um. And and that is definitely food for thought. But as we've said before, yeah, you know, he will be missing that week. And if you're going to get a bit sketchy with the amount of players you have round fourteen, um. Yeah, you're going to have a guy that's going to naturally score an extra 100 points um, throughout this period of time. So, yep. yeah. And, yes. and the other thing with, with Sydney too is the McCartan boys aren't coming back, especially, um, uh, is it Paddy? Uh, I um, think Tom is a chance, but I mean, I don't know how they play this Sydney. It's a strange one because obviously we knew, we've known for a long time about Paddy's issues. Um and he had a, yeah, a concussion earlier and then came back and had another one. And I think that that's basically ruled him out. Like, I really hate... He's definitely out for the season. Like, I really hope it hasn't mm. ruined his career. Oh, but fingers crossed to him. I, I, it's yeah. just absolutely terrible. Um, but there's every chance that he, we just don't see Paddy McCartan again, which is a shame because last year he was absolutely on fire. Like He was one mm. of the best intercepting defenders in the league. And it, like you take a guy who's obviously got that marking skill and... He can read the ball, use the football like that. Was always touted to be, you know, gun forward, but just couldn't get there because of his body. And then goes behind the ball, and plays probably the best football of his career. Yeah, and, and I then, think it um, actually improved his really brother sad. as well. Like it just naturally, and you see that I think like Josh Dacos this year is having a career year. Yeah. Because the joy that he's getting from playing with his younger brother. Yeah. And I think that's probably what you could see that from Tom McCartan, like. Oh, oh I can see them in my pants when, when it's Dacos yeah, to Dacos, right. mate. I tell you what, I get happy. But I get excited. You, you could see, like, Tom's out there and just in like, the joy that he was having with his footy because he's watching his brother actually finally have a crack at it. Yeah. How could you How could you not, like, be excited there? So I think that's – it'd be interesting to see how even Tom comes back and if that affects him. Uh, because how does it not, like, you know, his family and, you know, this guy – that, that this could be his career done, his dream over and stuff. And I know they run out there and, and try, but it, it shows like these brothers go out there and they, they play with a different freedom when they're yeah. with the other sibling out there. And the other thing is, as a family, do they, do they just cut just collectively call it quits? Like, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if Tom would do that. Like, to be honest, no, I don't but think Tom would the, do the that. But yeah, I can see what you had. Right? Oh, hundred like, percent. Yeah. yeah. So, I, so I, yeah. So I think, yeah, was getting on that was Lloyd. Yeah. That's, that's it. But, I think the real love here is the midfielders from round 12. Yeah. And there's 
a few. So would you, you say, know, though, obvious... so ranking those guys, so would you put Sinclair ahead? Like if you didn't have Sinclair, would you go still Sinclair over Lloyd? Or would you go yes. Lloyd over bo- or both of those two? No, I'd have I'd have Sinclair just over Lloyd. Okay, so Sinclair, think... Lloyd, and then Ryan yeah. third. Yeah. I think because Ryan's agreement. body, yeah, body and and just the way Freo's changed their game style as well. Yeah, I mean I've I was I've been burnt by by Ryan, so I, I'm not interested. Yeah, I, right. I held him the entire where, last year. Where Lloyd's had what did he have? Maybe 14, 15 games in a career where he's just done this all the time. Yeah. Like he had a, a bad patch for a while last year, but when we said that, like for that full complement of defenders last year, um, did change things. And I think also with Dawson going out of their side, there was a restructure last year, which mm-hmm. Lloyd had to probably get used to playing that, where this year they knew, okay, they could plan with that situation. And then Blakely's you know, natural development, Lloyd's managed to fit back in his old role with no problems. Part of the reason why I love the Lloyd selection is his consistency of scoring this year. And I'm not going to get that out of Jay-Z or, um, or Sheasel. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, if I can just bank 100 points every single week from my D6, I would be ecstatic. Like, I don't, I don't need massive scores. Remember, don't get me wrong, I love a good spike score. But yeah. if he just hits that, you know, Hundred every single week, man. I would just be. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm a happy man. Um, so yeah, moving to the midfield. Okay, so I think a lot of people would like to go to midfield because a lot of people haven't traded some of these guys in um, until now. But we do have quite a few guys, and I suppose we rattle them off. So the, there's probably four that people are looking at, and and um, I'll leave a couple that are forward mids out at this stage. Um, but obviously, it's Neil uh, Sarong. Brayshaw, Steele is also just off his buy as well. Um, is there anyone else in that, you know, the, the list of the round 12 guys that you would say from a midfield perspective you'd be looking at? Just because I know there's a lot of love for him, but not personally for myself, but I've, a few people have messaged me about Chad Warner. Okay, um, yep. And And thinking, and it's hard to ignore his last five weeks, the 123, 98, 104, 137, 112. Yeah, but we always knew once he got in there and, and and settled, and we saw what he could do like on grand final day. So I don't think he can't be ignored. When we rank them, he would still probably be the bottom of my list. But I can understand at five fifty why there's been a little bit of love for him. Yeah, I mean, I did a bit of a deep dive into Warner before I traded. I can't remember who I traded in instead of Warner when I was going for like a five hundred k player or something. Um, but a bit of bit of a deep dive and. He just doesn't seem to be like his consistency is all over the place. Like he can have thirty touches and go sub ton, and then he can have thirty touches and kick a, kick a goal and go one forty. Like there is, I couldn't work out a correlation of stats to identify what is the reason where he goes bad or good. Like it's it's just his up and down. His uh, use is I can actually like, tell it. Like I can give you a little bit of that. His um, free kick for and against ratio is outside of the Freo game is terrible. Like he gives away frees, he gives away fifties, um, and yeah, it just shows. Like against Carlton, he still scored one twelve, but gave away another three fifties, uh, another three free kicks in that game. Yep. Um, I think against the the Pies with an ninety eight, it was like a free kick and a fifty against and that. So he just has this ability to like he'll be getting another twenty eight for. 30 touch game as you said yeah but because of this you know moments in matches he's minus 13 minus 15 from little acts and that where yep. against a you know north melbourne he you know he he balances the ledger with that and it's a 137 
So it's just frustrating because if he could find a way where it's him getting the ball and he's the one getting the free, and if he's getting three free kicks and not giving away any, he could be going 120, no problems. Yeah. But it's, that's, so that's why I think it's sort of over the charts. One thing that uh, I think that's the only thing I could pick up. Yeah. One thing that has stabilized slightly with Mills going out, obviously, has been his mid time. So he was yep. sort of a little bit. One week he would have 63, 64%. The next week he'd have, say, 50. Like, he would be a little bit up and down. He's actually quite stabilised there. He's, he's somewhere between 60, 70%. And that's really been, obviously, good for his scoring as well. Mills does come back. There's a, there's a chance that he comes back even this week. I haven't seen the update from the Swans, but obviously everyone on the buy doesn't come back. I think it's until Tuesday, which is today. So today would be the first time that you know all the players have returned and the medical staff, etc. So we won't get a proper update until at least tonight that I haven't seen, maybe, um, or tomorrow, which is more likely. So um, I think before the buy, he was just as two to four, which meant that after the buy, he could be considered for that week as a zero to two, essentially. But it will depend on how he's pulled up. Um, I don't know where where that's at, but I'm just just prefacing that. I was always hoping that he would play this week. Uh, you know, play two weeks, drop down, and be available in that uh, sort of round 15 buy or, or similar. Um, but we'll see how that goes. Mills would still have to come back with a good role for me to con- want to consider him because in his the role that he was having previously, it was just a no-go zone. Like, he might average 95, and it's just probably not good enough anyway. Um, I, I'd still be tempted to pick him up if he gets the 380, 390. Oh, yeah, but do hard. you see that? Like, I don't see that that, that much of a drop. Surely yeah, not. Yeah, I definitely it definitely well he's four seventy one with a break even of one seventy one. So four hundred could be still in the charts here. Yeah, four hundred, but I don't think it gets down yeah. to like you know, high three hundred yeah. or anything like that. And like yeah, it never knows because that first game back, who knows? But yeah, he could but even at four hundred, I'm still tempted. I like I think it's too much yeah. value for a guy that that could potentially be four hundred K playing West Coast. Yeah. And I just I yeah, I don't think I'd want to miss Mills at four hundred K. All right, now I'm going to sort of go to the guy that I'm bringing in, which is Lockie Neal. Now, yep, same here. Um, I think uh, uh, there's a few reasons for this, but the first one that I will say is that he I, arguably will be the most popular. He seems to have turned a corner with his form. We said on our podcast for Brisbane at the start of the year, and I know, and, and the midfield podcast as well, that his run from the bye really opens up and it was actually really opened up a couple of games before and I was wanting to get him in a couple of weeks before but I just couldn't afford him at the time um, and it just other things happened in my team and I, I really should have tried to prioritise getting him in but I, I just couldn't. But if you look at his fixture, obviously we know what he's done the last three weeks. He now has a break-even of 86 so he's going up if he maintains his score. This week he has Hawthorne. Now, personally, this could be, he's going to argue until the first bounce. I think, due to the form of Dunkley, I think he gets tagged. I think Nash goes to Dunkley. That is the most like-for-like matchup. The two big-bodied guys go head-to-head, and that will leave, say, Neil versus Day or uh, potentially Warple or something like that. I don't think that Nash goes to Neil. I don't think that that is a matchup that they want. Dunkley will just have free reign over that midfield if that's the case because they just don't have the size to go with Dunkley outside of that. Um, that's just my personal opinion, but you know, I could be right, could be wrong. I've heard others say that Nash goes to um, goes to Neil. Look, that might be the case. Um, either was way, Brisbane, think... was it Brisbane Adelaide? I think they sent. I think it was that game. They sent Keys to Ashcroft. I yeah, think that was Keys the one to... getting tagged. Yep. Keys definitely spent time on Ashcroft in that game. 
so I thought that was a really interesting move, and that which Ashcroft had absolutely no effect in that game at all. Um, so yeah, there, there's uh, like uh, there's a part of me that agrees with you, but there's I I nearly think do well they did have a little bit of like when Key when Ashcroft wasn't there, Keys was trying to get around Dunkley because he has the right size. Um, and, and can go there. Neil didn't get any real attention in that match. So it wouldn't surprise me at all that, yeah, Dunks or even Ashcroft cop it more than what Neil do. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I mean, look, the, the, the one thing against him, so the last two games against Hawks, 100 last time and then 70 the time before that, but then the time before that, 157 in 2020, so, which obviously is a, a year that you kind of throw out the, the stats. But there's a chance that he goes big this week. I don't want to be not on Neil if he goes big against Hawthorne. And we've seen mids go huge against Hawthorne at times during the year. So, um, yeah, one that I want to have. We've also seen mids go completely shit against them. So, yeah, it's it's. I don't think it's a risk given his break-even regardless. But yeah, once there, he goes through that... There's go. five games coming up there for them. Hawthorne, oh. Sydney, St Kilda, Richmond, West Coast. Guaranteed he goes... Yep. Big in oh, two and, of those games. And Melbourne. Melbourne have been leaking midfield points like yeah, they're going out of fashion. Well, they have. They have. Yeah. Even Geelong the week after, like, unless Danger and all of them are back by then, yeah. their midfield's actually their weakness at the moment, the Cats. So what's keeping the Cats in the games is because they've got Stewart and all these great half-backs yeah. and the great forward line, but it's not the midfield. That's They're losing clearances. If, um, you, if you're honest, week, so. if you're honest, the only really hard fixture that he has for the rest of the season is Collingwood at Marvel. Because the rest of the games, even like Gold Coast, obviously is at, um, at Gold Coast Stadium down there. But he just went. What did he go against Gold Coast? Like one twenty-eight two weeks ago. Frio at Optus is is potentially hard. I, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's a hard. That's always depending on how they play. Just because he's the old player for their team, yeah. and they try not to let him just do what he wants. And Optus at, is not an easy yeah. game to play. So I think Adelaide they're the, the two Gabba weeks where he just went. And did 122, I think, as well. Yeah, uh, the games of the Gabba, he's just going to dominate. Yeah, two games against the Saints left as well. So the last game of the season is against the Saints. Um, yeah, like he just has a. This would rival the other run that is actually quite good, and I'll probably go through that uh, now. Is, is Jack Steele? So I know that Jack Steele's obviously been hit and missed this season, but his run is quite ridiculous. And so even though he's just absolutely burnt some people, and I get that. Yeah, would you consider bringing him in if he was if you only had five hundred and twenty k like five fifty k five twenty k? Is Jack Steele still in the conversation? Well, he's got to be just because of the the price and that. Like I know everyone wants to get up to the Freo boys instead, um, but he can't be ignored. Saints have still got their season on the line, and you know he he runs the show in that midfield. So so if they if the Saints are winning and they'll be very aware of these second-half fade-outs, a bit like the Suns. Um, St Kilda have been notorious for it over the last couple of years. Start the season really well, drop off after the buys. Yep. So you're sure they, they would have you know, talked about it, and, and he's the, the leader in there. So you would expect Steele to come out and go, no, nah, we're not letting that happen again. And they do have pretty well... They do have West Coast, North, and Hawthorne all still. Uh, so yep. you know, you've got, they've got the Tigers both uh, twice... And he always plays really well against us. Um, so yeah, now you you could be, have some confidence that he should go. Uh, like I don't think it's the old Jack Steele where we're getting one, you know, fifteen, one twenty. But yep. I, I still think there's potential for that one five, one ten, um, which the way they're going this year um, shouldn't be too bad. 
I think his body's the only issue, right? So, like, I think he... Um, he's, but having said that, his tackling was good. It was now his knee. So I think even the, the last week where he had 61, he still had, like, nine tackles. But he only had 14 possessions, which is really unsteel-like in his role. Mm. Um, only in 8.1% of teams, Jack Steele. And the run is Sydney, Richmond, Brisbane, who he'll probably go head-to-head with Dunkley, so it's a 50-50 matchup. But then West Coast... Um, and then Melbourne, obviously, who are leaking points, as we just mentioned. Gold Coast, North, Hawks, Carlton, Richmond again. Between the, and the last two are hard. So Geelong, obviously, at Marvel. And then yeah, the they have to have their together. season done, um, pretty well done by the time they hit the Geelong game. Yeah. But, so, yeah, they're, but they're, to, they're very winnable games. The problem is, if they're not playing finals by, say, what round... If, they, if they're out of finals contention by round 23, does he get rested? Just potential... Oh. But I feel like it'll be a situation where no, because they'll still need to win. Like if they they'll lose, but I don't think they're losing enough games in that period because they're still in the eight at the moment. Yeah, that's so. True. Yeah, they they something would have had to go drastic long. I like I can still see them missing the the eight, but I can see them going into those last two games where they have to win to make it. So I don't think they're resting because they're still going to try to win those matches. Yeah. Okay. So. I think the consensus for us, we're pretty similar in that. Is that if Steel is the guy, the only guy that you can get to, then there's I don't think there's a problem with get with bringing him in this week. But you ideally want to go up to the next three guys if you can, uh, which are going to be uh, so obviously Neil we've already spoken about, and then of course the two Frio boys in in Sarong and Brayshaw. I would just say off the top that Brayshaw to me is not what I want in a, in a guy like what we saw last year, he basically goes big against the, um, the easy runs and then doesn't, doesn't go as big against the harder teams. And the run for the rest of the season is not fantastic for Frio. And that's my issue is that they already had their bunny run at the start of the season. What do I expect out of Andy Brayshaw? Maybe a say 107, 108 average. I'm not expecting like something huge over the back end. Could be completely wrong because he obviously has more develop in his game. Um, but I I don't think that he's going to be able to be that 110 plus guy this season with the remaining games that he's got. Um, that's just my personal opinion. Um, I personally think Sarong is the better pick from the two. I was big on Sarong. You know this last year. I was I almost started him at 450k, but again I was one year too early. So I'm lucky lucky that I didn't. I went went over to Crips and that was a good call. Um, but Sarong's got the game, got the super coach friendly game that, that can take him to be a super, an uber premium in, in super coach. So I think he's already averaging 114. Do I, I'm, is he better than 114 or is that pretty much what you're expecting out of him I for think the rest that's, of the season? I'm not expecting any more of that from him. No. No, like he's, yeah, that, that, that's, yeah. I'd be surprised if he lifted in some way, went 117, 118 for the season or, or on the run home. That that would probably surprise me. So I think you're paying for what you're getting, maybe even slightly less. I, it could be like between that 110 and 114 yep. um, score, but it's still likely to be four, five, six points over Brayshaw um, each week. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And so if I was then to say, okay, well, Neil, what's Neil averaging for the rest of the season? Or do we are we really paying for Neil? Are we getting Neil because the potential to go one twenty? And we know, yeah, and I, we've seen I, it before. I think Neil, yeah, he's the one that I th- on the run home that I think goes one twenty. Yeah, and that it's just the the only. Well, 
yeah, I think Brisbane know this is their chance. They've done everything. Oh, yeah. Danaher, Danaher's I, up I and think about. That I've they, already got voiced a, that I think yeah. that they'll beat us in the grand final. Like I, I think that. Yeah, I've said that as well. I think yeah. it's Brisbane beating uh, you guys, and that. So, uh, yeah. But Sarong, mate, Sarong's been brilliant. Like I would have loved to get on him at 500k at the start of the year. Um, yeah, does everything right, as you said. You know, he tackles. He he probably gets slightly less possessions than Brayshaw in some games and that. Like I feel like Brayshaw's the guy that's going to get 30, 35. But His use is better some, though. That's the that's but the key yeah, as well. That's yeah. that's the key. It's yeah. it, I feel like sometimes it's watching like kind of a a lesser version of Oliver and Petrarca. And that where you've got the the guy that gets the contested ball and but can sometimes butcher it, which we know Clary's improved on that greatly. But yeah. Sarong's just yeah, well he's just a brilliant player and probably doesn't get the the notice as much because obviously playing over in Frio and the Victorian crowd over here probably doesn't watch as many of their games. But you know he's been absolutely electric in matches this year. Yeah. All right, so I think we're, again, consensus, but say one nil, two Sarong, three Brayshaw, four Steele, five a Chad? Or would you say Chad yeah. maybe over Steele? Uh, no, I'll go Steele yeah. just because I know Mills is coming back. And yep. I think that could affect okay. the Chad. Fair enough. That. But Mills it could the go Chad. the absolute other way, the Chad. <laughs> Nice. All right. So uh, we've discussed the trading targets. And now I think the last one is, okay, so how are you getting money? Because pretty mm. key this week. Now, there really isn't anyone that I would say is a good rookie option to bring in. You've got basically Farhey, who's been a sub twice, uh, three times in a row, hasn't he? Um, and he scored fairly poorly in doing that. So you could bring him in and he also has the round 15 buy, but you're not going to get anything out of him. You've got uh, Oisland, obviously, who may or may not be playing next week, and he's on the buy. So you, if you bring him in, it's a huge risk. Um, you've got Melikin, Rampy Jew back. Is he even in the best 22? Does McCartan displace him? When does that happen? Is, does he play this week? Does he not play the following week? You don't know. He's also 170K. Um, so of the three, I think, is there any other? I don't think there's anything else outside of that, right? Not of those me, three, um, any of them? No. No, I can't. I can't endorse any of them. I wouldn't get. I wouldn't look at it at all. You know what I would rather? And this is sort of a left field. This is, I would rather go say I, uh, um, Marich. I'd rather go with Marich and just go. Look, he's going to play for West Coast at some point this year. Hmm. Like they're going to get games into this kid. So, I'd if if I was absolutely desperate, that's the one I would go. The thing with like um, the. Moise, I don't even know how to pronounce this Oisland, Moisland guy, whatever. <laughs> this, the Irish kid, anyway. The Irish kid with the Irish jig. Is Geelong have so many players coming back that we're like, how does he fit into that squad? And there's every chance that like, you know, he's just the teacher's pet and gets games anyway. But I just, I, I can't endorse it until I see it. Like if he's named on a yep. team sheet for a third game, then yeah, sure. I'll, I'll pick him up because he's 102K. But I just don't see it in Geelong's team. If he's playing for GWS or if he's playing for you know, uh, North or yeah, one of the lower teams or whatever it might be, um, then yeah, absolutely. I think that this would be, you know, you could go early on and take the risk, whatever, but playing for Geelong, they want to play finals. They're, they're in a win now mm-hmm. mode. They're not taking a risk on a guy if they don't need to. And that's exactly. Important. And they need to win games. So they're not they in the do. same position it's they were big, last year. That's right. A big difference for them this season. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, so and that's where the, and that's where I said before, from a forward point of view, um, is Jeremy Cameron. Like, if you need a forward, potentially wait a week and yep. have a look at Big Jez on the run home because he has bottomed out in price. Absolutely. Like 440, 446. When we were talking before, um, early the year, when and he got up to that five, 590, he got up to because he was absolutely flying. Yep. The, the talk was he did actually have a bit of a niggle for a few weeks there. Um, and then he started to go because there's a ga- couple of games in a row where he didn't leave the forward 50, which was very unlike Jeremy Cameron. And then back on the weekend again against the Dogs, you saw him in the midfield. You saw him taking intercept mark at half back. So clearly over that issue, the week off this week, rest his body a little bit more, and then um, you know back on that big run home, a run home which includes you know North Melbourne at home, um, so that could be anything. But they they do have a lot of games coming up at Geelong in the next uh, like after the, the away game at Port, you know it's Melbourne, North Essendon, Freo, Port in a seven week period. Yeah. So five games down the Cattery. And we know what the Cats players do down there. So, yeah, I've heard a few people saying that. They're going, I need one more forward. I'm waiting one week. I'm just going to get Jezza at that price. And I yeah. can understand it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, look, I don't hate Jezza as an option at all. Um, I think that you could do a lot worse, but um, you'd have to wait the week. And that's sometimes... This week, I suppose it probably won't really matter because everyone's yeah, going to have 18 premiums pretty much, right? Pretty well much anyway, you know, and especially if you're someone like myself who doesn't have Stuart, like you're in a bit of a different situation because he's still got enough, but you know, obviously he was at Rowell and Stuart. Yep. So that's a couple of players out where I'm not in that position. Yep. Um, but a lot of people have probably one of the Geelong. So you're, you're still going to be fielding probably close to 22 players anyway. Yep. Um, and it's only best 18. So it's not going to yeah, worry you too much and nice. maybe even save your trades this week if you can't get if hypothetically you're in a situation where you don't have the money to get to say Sarong or you've only got the money to get one of Sarong and Neil, um, yeah, maybe instead of trying to reach, just let a couple of these rookies continue to make some cash for you and then next week look at a couple of these maybe cats players or even sons. Yeah. The only problem with that I guess is that there's you know, between Day Sheasel and Jay Z, their break evens are so high that you, you ha- kind of have to trade them. Like this is the week that you kind of yeah. going to try and get cash out of them. I mean, even with Day, I think he's only four forty k, so you're really scraping the barrel with what you can get out of him. But yeah, see, when Day's different because I think he's there's not losing really too much more, yeah. and even Sheasel, as we said, if he got an eighty and you could side swap them to say a Jeremy Cameron or somebody like yeah. that. The following week, if it, especially in Sheasel's point of view, because you might be able to move him forward and then swap him to Jess. Yeah. Whereas Zebel, and that's why I had Zebel won, because he's losing so much more cash this mm-hmm. week. He already lost a ton last week. Um, would have been great for him not to <laughs> to do that, but yeah, yeah it's you're gonna yeah he's gonna like yeah he'll be the guy at four fifty next week. Yeah. So there are three guys that we could look at. Say if you let's say you downgrade Jay Z or Sheasel or whatever. Um, you can actually make money and, and make the upgrade, which is what I'm looking at doing. So the three guys that I'm flagging as do, being able to do that is Briggs. So you could go uh, you know, Jay-Z down to Briggs or whatever it may be. If you've got Madden, you could um, you know, flip Madden forward and then uh, put Briggs into your, your R3 or whatever it may be. Or you know, there are options that you could look at doing that. Um, that's the first one. So I, I know that you know, Briggs still, if you still want to trade him out in round 15, that's fine. 
I think he still will probably make close to 100k over those two weeks. Still has a negative 35 break even, and if he pumps out another 200s, then absolutely. And then you could even look at okay, well now I've got a guy averaging 110 in the ruck on my bench. What? How can I move that into my on field and try and take advantage of that? So there are options there too. Um, the second one is Ben Keys, and I'll, I will go a little bit further into that because I think between him and Fife, there's an argument you could look into those two guys. I see Fife, and I don't know about you, I see Fife as a guy that you're not bringing in to trade out. So you're not really bringing him to, to trade out of your team. You're probably bringing him in as season, I want to say, cover in inverted commas, because he's also prone to injury, as we've seen over his career. Um, but Fife's one that you get is your, your M9, F, F7, swing, you're loopholing him. Maybe you're loopholing him with a Sheasel. Maybe you're loopholing with a Jay-Z for the rest of the season or whatever it may be. Um, but he's a guy that you could definitely do that with because I think with his role that's progressively getting better, he's going to have a spike game. He's going to get a, a hundred plus, you know. Um, so it's only really a matter of time before he does get that. But is it worth paying two hundred and fifty k for a guy that's not really going to make you enough cash? You're not going to trade out of your team, and you're literally going to have him on the rest on your pine for the rest of the season. Right? What What's his break even? Like twenty six? Twenty six or something? Yeah, twenty. So you could pick him up cheaper next week. <laughs> I put that on actually on Super Coach forums, and that it was getting quite a few laugh reacts on. on that, that was one. a good one. That was good. It's like here's something I prepared earlier. <laughs> Works in every situation. Oh, that's great. That was great. Oh, um, that's great. Yeah, yeah, bed keys is the one you definitely need to talk about here, mate. Ah, oh, do you want me to give give me a mic? Oh wait, I've got one. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I'm I'm big on Ben Keys, and I, he's in my team. So my plan right now is I'm going uh, Zebel down to Keys, banking at oh, that 140k, and then using that 140k to get Sheasel up to Neil, um, which is what 110k or whatever it may be, um, and then I'm banking the remainder of the cash with what I've got in my bank. So it works out that I, I end the trades with about 100k in my bank, which I can then hopefully use to upgrade later to other players or whatever. Um, this might mean that I just have 100k plus three trades at the end of the season, which means if someone gets injured, I've got enough money to actually get out of that situation instead of having to take a, a cheap option. Um, so anyway, so so with keys, so there's a there's a lot going for him and one really bad thing going for him. So the one really bad thing is that we've already seen it. We've seen him move forward when he played midfield all year. This was last year. So last year he played midfield all year till round 19. And in round 19, he got uh, round 20, he got shifted forward. So four games of forward time. And it really drew back his average in terms of his uh, what he averaged for the season, which I think ended up being 99 from memory. But yeah. in 2021, so the year before, he averaged 103 playing pure midfield. So Yeah, because he was averaging 100. Even the Calder game where he scored 70, after that, he was still averaging 107. Yeah, And then those last three games just butchered his average. Yeah. So we know that obviously when he plays forward, part of his role down there is to play as a forward tagger. Um, he has played as a forward tagger obviously most of this year. He played on Dacos earlier in the year, so there's a concern that there's there's a concern that in round 15 when they play again he does that too. And I do think 100% he goes with Dacos. But what I also think is Jordan Dago is out for three weeks, and Dacos probably plays 70% 80% midfield over those weeks. So if he's doing that, then he's not tagging him in from half back. He's tagging him in midfield. So uh, there's a chance that that is not even an issue at this at this stage. I don't know if there's 
I don't think there's anyone that they're going to literally pluck out of the um, our reserves to fill a degoey size hole. Like we already have a ready-made attacking midfielder in Dacos. Like why would we try and get say Finn McRae in there or something like that? That's like mm. none of that makes any sense to me. I think you're better off trying to replace the role that Dacos plays rather than trying to play the replace the role that degoey plays. Does that make sense? Yeah. The bit, the big thing with Keys going to midfield is oh, a tackling we've machine. Your, we've lost your audio. Oh, oh no! Uh, Can you hear me, Chris? Come in. You good? Maybe it's yeah. just me. Yeah, maybe it is. Um, yeah, when he goes into the midfield, he's just a tackling machine. So I think he's had nine and ten tackles the last two weeks, which you know that's already close to forty points. Chris, Chris thinks he's gone. Absolutely gone. Technical difficulties. Are you there, buddy? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's all good. Uh, you, you go. I can hear you now. Um, my headset seemed to have just disconnected. Oh, well, the fans have heard me. They've, they've heard what I've to That's say. That's it. Keys has tackling the last two weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, with, I mean, obviously the last two weeks, 70% and 75% CBAs. I think in week one, he played 94% midfield time which is an insane amount and the coach came out after the game and said yeah we wanted to get him more in midfield and obviously he's been tagging in that midfield role we've been wanting to look to get him more midfield time 94 percent is probably too much but um, we do want him in there more and then he backs that up with another four week in midfield and so it just go to me the flags that they're they wanting to using him in midfield i'm not sure if that's the full-time plan for the rest of the season obviously that's the red flag so i get that but it is a make-or-break move because his break-even is seven. So he's also a cash cow. So regardless, he probably is the same price as Sheasel in two weeks, regardless of what happens. Um, and if you've got the trades to trade out of it, that's also an important consideration. But I think that it's a move that you can generate cash from. He's got a high, high ceiling in terms of a forward role. Like if he averages 103 for the season, that puts him as a top six to eight forward. So you're not going to get that on anyone else with these buys. The only other consideration is if, you, if you're wanting to wait till round 16 to get a Butters or you're wanting to wait till round 16 to get a, a Cogs or something like that, like who's really doing that? I'm not sure that there's enough really good forward options that you would just throw away a 100 averaging guy at um, that, that has a round 14 buy. Now, sometimes, so for some people, obviously, that's not going to suit their buy situation. So that it would just be a complete, you've got to cancel it out because you can't run him. But for those who can run him, then I think that it's definitely worth consideration and it does allow your team to do other moves this week whilst potentially getting an upgrade in that position. And if I look at it also and say, well, now I'm running Keys versus Jay-Z against other people or I'm running Keys versus Sheasel, I feel that's a win. Like I'm going, to, I'm going into that matchup going, fuck dude, like Keys should get these guys by 20 points a game. Like, dude, he's, he's had 150s, 170s in the last two years. Lots of 120s in his scoring. Like, yeah, it's not, he's not just like a, a just creep over the line 100 guy. Like, he's a guy that can get really, really score. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and that's where I had... Uh, that's why I flagged Jeremy Cameron as the option. Because the ADK bought him, but he's already going to have his five where Keyes is going to miss next week. Um, yeah, the overall points is going to be more in Jeb's favour. And as I was saying, if you're thinking Jay-Z versus Keys, yeah, I think Keys definitely can win that matchup. Where Jezza versus Keys, 
Um, it's just because of those games down at Geelong. I think Jezza, I'd have slightly ahead, but you are paying the extra 80k for him. Um, Keys does have in his favour that he does play West Coast twice, and you don't think you'll be tagging in those matches. Yes. Well, I mean, maybe Yo, because to be honest, how good's Yo been? Because Yo, Yo's the, a pressure guy. You're not tagging a tagger pretty well much. Sounds good. All right, question time, guys. Uh, so we're going to go through some questions. I know that there has been like 50 questions in here already. If you're still with us, start throwing those questions in there for us um, because we're not going to go back through everything. So uh, if you are online right now, you can throw us a question and then we'll answer it as we go through. Does that make sense? Yep. Cool. Awesome. Ah, <laughs> uh, wow. I feel like such an idiot. Um, before we do, I suppose we should go through VC and C options, mate. Um, have you yeah, got any idea of where you, what you're looking at for your VC and C? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, it's actually a good question. Well, the the obvious one um, is a Brisbane player against the Hawks. I just don't know if I want Dunkley or Neil. Um, I'm, I'm leaning towards Neil. I bring him in, put the vice captain. It seems that every player I bring in goes massive that week. Yep. So that's just the obvious. Uh, and then it might be straight into uh, Laird. It's uh, the the only one that makes me consider otherwise would be maybe Merritt versus the Blues, but. Um, yeah, and there's so many actually options this week because if I bring him Sarong, Sarong's playing Richmond. Yeah. So I think he can't go wrong on those Saturday games. Um, yeah, Hawthorne, Brisbane, Adelaide, West Coast, Fremantle, Richmond. Yeah, look, the only other one that I like there is as well, um, I don't mind Lloyd on Friday night. I think that he could go very, very well. Um, but... I think it has to be VC Neil because I don't. I'm not too confident in Neil as an option uh, for a captain, and that's the problem. So if I'm not doing that, then VC Neil on the Saturday and the backup would be has to be at Adelaide Oval, has to be Laird, or it has to be um, oh, Dawson. Dawson. And I, I don't know. I think it'll probably be a little bit of talk regarding the coach as to what they're going to do and who they're going to tag. So who's going to get attention? Is it going to be Dawson? Is it going to be Laird? And then go from there. Uh, but I personally, I think um, Laird's due for a big one. Yeah. If I bring in Sarong, I'm actually tempted to go him against the Tigers. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So now we're here. Uh, all sweet now. So we've got some some questions. So Luke Puppers, uh, Sheezel and Zeebel to Jake Lloyd and Neil. I think that that's pretty much what I'm doing. So, yep, that's the same as you, Swizz. Yep, nice work there. Um, uh, Binger said uh, he's looking to join us with Zeebel and Lloyd. Uh, yep, Zeebel to Lloyd. Yep. Thoughts on Dale. Now, Global, we did actually go through Dale. Um, just one we missed. Now, I would absolutely be getting on Dale if I had, could afford to bring in a round 15 buy uh, player, but I can't. So, therefore, skipping on Dale. If I could, I would, but, yeah, just can't. Um, I assume that would As you I said, put I'm Dale not ahead of the other options. Yeah, I'm not disappointed. I missed him because at the time I didn't need the defender, so it just didn't work out. And just it's the way it's worked out, it's it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, would I put him ahead of the defender options? I still, I think oh, that's a good one. Actually, probably still like probably Sinclair and Lloyd more because they haven't had their buy yet. So. Unless you're just, if you're paying for head to head, 
it's a different story. But if you're paying for overall, is Bailey Dell really outscoring Lloyd and Steele enough to take in a fact that he's going to still have a buy? Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Look, I, I pretty much agree with you there. Um, Mikhail Koch says, worth going uh, Seamus Mitchell up to Neil or Zebel to Neil and get cash. Uh, I would... Or Zebel. I'd probably yeah, because... go um, Zebel to Neil if I'm if I'm going to get rid of Jay-Z anyway to avoid the cash drop. Um, yeah. And obviously, Mitchell still has a little bit of cash to make, so you can probably play him this week, or even if he's not named, you yeah. can even hold him. He'll he'll be named. He was just he he missed because of flu. It wasn't yeah. because of an injury. He'll be straight back in. Um, Chase says Neil or Steele. We did answer that in the pod earlier, but definitely Neil um, by a long way. Uh, thoughts on these these trades: Zebel, Sheasel, Mitchell out for Neil, Sarong, and Keys. Oh, yeah, Neil, Sarong, and Keys. That's yeah, we're love, we're loving life. <laughs> Who was that? So you, are you, so you are a fan of Keys, like or? Is that uh, someone you're looking to bring in? Not really, I because I don't feel like I need the forward. I don't want to bring in people that haven't had their buy, so yeah, I'm right avoiding on. players like that. That's how I usually play the buy rounds. Uh, Corey Blackledge says, "Is it worth me holding? Uh, uh, holding as I have Briggs, Chincotta, MJ, Humphrey, Weddle, Mitchell, Wardlaw, and Ford have twelve trades and four upgrades, have eighty k in the bank." Um, this week is a week that you definitely don't need to trade if you don't have to, I guess. Um, but you do have four upgrades to do, which means it's at least eight trades and you'd like to be ideally fully premium by the end of the buy. So, um, you're going to want to try and make a move on someone. Uh, all these guys though, obviously you have money to make. So there's that consideration, but you could definitely trade out, say a Mitchell early if you really wanted to. Um, yeah, I don't know if you really upgrade from the guys that you have because they're all... Oh, I mean, you could go Humphrey if you really wanted to, but of course he's going to make more money and, and play the next two. So, um, so yeah, definitely I'll give can hold. I'll give Corey a shout-out too. He was sitting next to him for the North Melbourne Essendon game, came along with us. So oh, nice. Awesome to meet your cause. So appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, it's good hanging out with... Um, you know, especially somebody who's a very passionate North Melbourne fan at the footy. So, you know, anytime, mate. Nice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you don't have to trade this week, but you could trade, I suppose, is the answer there. Uh, Baz, I have Cogs in my midfield and bringing in keys. Should I buy flip Cogs to a better mid such as Neil? Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'd do that <laughs> in a heartbeat. Yep. <laughs> I love the questions because they're all on the same page. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I think I think it's that reassurance because a few people message me with like different ideas. I'm like, yeah, you're spot on the money here. Our our listeners are very on, uh, yeah, on point this season. Yeah, lots of top one percenters here. Uh, Luke Puppis, what about Rowan Marshall as a VC option against Sydney? Now, I don't mind it. However, it depends what hickey we get on Friday night because if he's playing, which I, I believe he is, um, he has been known in the past to be restrictive. He has not been restricted this year. And so that's something to be in consideration. However, he's had an injury-riddled year. Like, how much does that play into it? So I don't hate Marshall as a VC option. I would probably prefer Lloyd uh, as one that can go big just against the Saints. Because um, what, what was it? Six, uh, it was 
two weeks ago when Sicily did that 178 or whatever on, on Sydney, on, 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 uh, on St Kilda. Um, yes. So, yeah, like the history's there against that. So I'd probably prefer that, but it's not terrible. Um, Chase, what rookie to go this week? There are no rookies, buddy. That is the unfortunate thing of this week. There's no one that I... That's why I tripled there. down last week. Yeah. It's also why I got Briggs in last week as well, mm. which seems to be good. Uh, Bingar says, don't forget. Mate, I did not forget. And if you go back to the start of this live, you will see the shout out there, mate. So <laughs> all good. Hey, an elephant never forgets. That's um, right. Jonas, Jonas Goat. Uh, I didn't know he was talking about Matt Rial then for a second. Um, how many primos do you have out in round four, 14 and 15? Uh, what number is too many? So eight is too many. Seven is manageable and six is ideal. Uh, I think I'm seven next week and six in round 15 is how I am. That's a great question how many I'm actually at. The other thing is obviously you, you bring in guys as yeah. you go. So, uh, so I'm, I'm five in round 14, mm-hmm. which is good. And then round 15 I do have a few, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. Nice. So you, you should uh, be fine. fine. That should be fine. Yeah, you'll be able we'll to get through. Time. Charlie uh, Constable comes back and saves the day. Yeah. Um, Corey says again in another question, he said, uh, might want to hold Sheasel another week. Uh, he- hearing Hall might get dropped. Nah, not going to happen. It'd be awesome if he did. I know, but he's not getting dropped. <laughs> but we'll, it's we'll not happening. That. Doesn't... That's right. Unless he's injured, which could be the case. I don't think so. Uh, ben Bailey said, limited rookies this week. Absolutely. Thoughts on Jay-Z to Brayshaw uh, and Baker to Melican. I don't like Melican. Have we no, don't. Melican, no. Uh, Dane Rampey's been cleared to play this week. Uh, I would assume that he comes in and plays that exact role. So uh, I don't love that at all. We've um, both said this about your um, mid-season pickup guys is the ones, especially for West Coast, um, with marriage, I've said with Richmond with the defense. Actually, the one that's been close for us is Sam Banks. Um, it's been on the emergency every week, so definitely uh, I'd rather bring in somebody who hasn't played than the options that I have so far. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, okay, so. Name Global says name the top six players in each line. Now that's obviously going to take a, a month of Sundays, so probably not. But I mean, they're pretty obvious to be completely honest. There's no real like guys that aren't averaging in their top line that I would say. Oh, I think these guys are now top six. Um, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, your forwards are butters, the four that everybody has, and then butters and. I don't even know who that six is. Maybe Jay, you know, Jeremy Cameron or whatever. Like there's yeah, I, th- I think the I think the, the Defenders and forwards, the top five obvious, yeah. and then you can have raffle the the six is between like six and ten, yeah. and any player that can be six. So it's even like the defenders, like we were talking before about you know maybe Sinclair or Lloyd or, or whoever for the six, but like Doherty could still sneak up yeah. and be that yeah, top six. So that you you can put a blanket over about five players. And for, then in in midfield uh, you've got you know Bont, Laird, um, Clary, uh, Neil. Sorry, Lockie Neil. Neil, and there's a there's a fifth that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. Petraka maybe. 
I think they're guaranteed. Yeah, Trap, Trap's been fine. And then I throw a blanket over. Oh, Zerit. Even uh, Merit. Merit, yeah. That's probably a six. But, yeah, throw a blanket over seven and eight. Like, who cares? Like, Walsh. Yep. Doesn't really matter. Oh, um, he's going to get cheap as well. Yeah, right. All right. Moving on, moving on, moving on. Uh, with Stephen Jordan. So, with nine trades left... Two players to upgrade. Who do we get rid of? Zebul, Day, or Sheezel? We actually ranked those earlier in the podcast, Stephen. So if you do want to um, to go through that, or wait till this finishes uploading, and then you can um, go back through as well. He also asked, also how many trades should I be aiming for to finish my team? And also thoughts on Fife as M9F7. We also already went over both of those things earlier in the podcast. So feel free to um, to hit that up. Uh, Baz Saints are playing on Thursday. Dogs versus Port is Friday. Oh, yeah, it's Thursday night game this week. Yeah, it is Thursday. That's yeah. why I said I have to do Q&A Thursday this week. Nice. Uh, what if McAndrew plays? Was McAndrew injured? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's coming back. I don't think he's injured. So, um, so yeah, I don't think he'll be named at all, unfortunately. Is Melican the only downgrade option this week? He's not an option, in my opinion, at all. Um, there is no downgrade option this week. That's a safe option. Everyone's a risk. So uh, I would tread cautiously. Um, Ricky Edwards said Sin could be a rookie option. Well, he was the sub this week, and he, he looked all right when he went on. Um, but, uh, I yeah, again, I wouldn't be banking on that. Um, and then Jonas Goat says, watch out for uh, Bins at Carlton. Might debut this week and would be the best rookie. Uh, that's a potential as well. Yeah, there's um, Bins is all right. There's uh, Mitch oh, Hardy. I just I thought he was well. talking about. I just thought. I just thought he was talking about the bins at Carlton. <laughs> and, uh, like, the fans are that bad. Put them out in the field. Just, bins at the yeah. just put now. the bins out there. <laughs> put your, <laughs> might put put your bins more, out for Carlton. <laughs> might put on more defensive pressure. Nice. Uh, that is the last of the questions, guys. Uh, I do thank you very much for joining us on the live pod. Sorry about the technical difficulties twice. I'm not sure exactly what happened that second time, but. Um, yeah, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Do you have any last words there, Swizz? Keep, get, keep liking and supporting the podcast. The more you do that, the more I can fly up and do it in studio and we won't have these problems. This is true. <laughs> this is true. We should just do it live here. It makes more sense. Yeah, that's right. I said that to the <laughs> wife. I'm like, we, we just moved to Queensland and it solves all our problems. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. It's much but warmer. That, that's probably the big, the big thing as was just said, I think, by Global then. Uh, yeah, Thursday night footy. It's Thursday through to Monday this week. Massive weekend of footy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I am looking forward to Thursday night footy again, I can tell you that. Uh, all right, guys, that'll be it, and we're signing out. So thank you very much, guys, and we'll catch you next time. Cheers.